Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for Stage 2 of the Tour de France. We have two Ripper stages in a row. Pretty, We've been in for a treat, Benji, with yeah. the stage from Vittoria Gasteis to San Sebastian. Again, you know, people are like, oh, reduced bunch sprint, and the stage ends up being a lot trickier and a lot more exciting than perhaps it looked on a first glance. 210Ks finishing, as I said, in San Sebastian. Climbs all day after the flat opening salvo. Uh, for the breakaway to form. And the main sort of where the final really starts is the Hayeskabel, which is in two parts, 3Ks at 5%, short 1K flat section, and then another 3 kilometers at 7, or 3.7 kilometers at 7% before a very fast descent into and a run into San Sebastian along the highways there. So a tricky stage. We discussed at length yesterday what would happen, how the break would form, would it be, who would try and get in it, who would control, and... <laughs> Initially, we saw Pedersen trying to jump in, yep. and it was is that a tell that he and Trek had already decided he, he had no chance of making it over that final climb? Potentially, that combined with the fact that he might be able to get 20 points for Green doing that, so that's kind of the combination I'm looking for. But him getting into the breakaway means that not even the teams that want to control the breakaway, but also the teams that want to actually go for the Green jersey might start controlling him going in the breakaway. So that eventually did not occur. We ended up with a a three-man breakaway because I feel like Trenton was doing quite a bit of work in the in the breakaway control. The breakaway was Nelson Paulus, KOM jersey wearer after yesterday, Remy Cavagna and Boston Hagen. So pretty good riders on the flat with Paulus on the climbs. And he just strengthened KOM. The first climbs he took, the majority of climbs he took, Heiskebel, who knows if he took it. We'll get to that. But then we go to the peloton and we see control from UAE. But before I talk about that, we started without Carapaz, without yeah. Moss, because Moss DNF yesterday, Carapaz DNS today because he had a, a fracture in his knee. I, yeah. I swear, I, I, when I saw him on the bike yesterday, I was like, didn't look good. Shouldn't have been on the bike in the first place. That's my personal take. But going forward, they're not in the peloton, but the peloton kept on riding and they go to the intermediate sprint. Obviously, the first three spots are taken, but we see Philipson win it after a great lead out by Van Poppel. Yep. Poor Maus, who was not in the wheel of Van Poppel because Grunewagen took the wheel of Van Poppel. And then on the other side of the road, we've got Wells for just mingling on like third row and he just sprints past everybody yeah. and almost beats Philipson online. So I'm really hyped up Sam Wellsford. I think we're going to have some good sprint stages. We haven't had one yet. I think we will have one tomorrow, but we definitely will have one on, uh, on Tuesday for stage four. But yeah, there are a lot of sprinters and there's going to be, there's going to be hectic stages coming up, but there was a big standoff, I think initially mm -hmm. with who was going to pace because Alperson had no interest at all. I mean, they sort of came forward initially in break formation. Trenton blocked the Pedersen move. He got in that Pedersen move, and it was like Trenton's been told groups of five or dangerous groups, you must be in that group. And they yeah. didn't, I don't think he pulled. And then... It's neutralizing it from the inside. But, but it's just showing UAE, okay, they might be thinking about pacing. And then, and then Quickstep didn't show any interest. And then Yumbo weren't... Yumbo were there, but not pulling initially. Yeah. But is that a way of tipping your hand? If you're controlling the breakaway initially, you're yeah. saying, yeah, I might actually want to keep this break small because I want to control the, the race. And 
maybe UAE doing that is tipping the hand of UAE and other teams are saying, well, looks like they're going to be pacing today. So we had a, a plan to pace, but we might as well stay back and let UAE do it. I think for Yumbo, that might be the case. I think Alpherson even had decided that something, and we'll see later in the race, something's up with MVDP. So yeah. maybe they knew, because Philipson's never making this climb. Um, Binny and Intermarche is on the fringe strong. Israel is one where you're like, okay, I think Israel would maybe put a rider like a bovin to chase uh, on the flatter section and, and keep that gap stable. But UAE did it. So we'll talk about it at length after the stage, Benji, because we can use our 2020 hindsight to critique or, fr or praise. Um, <laughs> but UAE basically worked their ass off all day today. Um, the whole team just about, including a crash from Trenton, but it was first Langen and Bjerg. And the way I saw it was they're a climbing heavy squad and Bjerg's mm -hmm. a good climbing ruler. They let the gap out to 430. It even touched 450 at points. And I could see some Jayco moving up there and thinking, oh, we want to get Simon. Because Jayco told Australian media, which reached my ears, that Simon Yates wanted bonies on Hayeskabel okay. uh, for GC. So Jayco were kind of thinking, if you don't keep this under five, we're going to start pacing. And otherwise, Michael Matthews, maybe in honor of him, this being a Michael Matthews stage, they would have paced for him. So... But UAE, Benji, Bjerg, and Langen, they, do you think they did it too asymmetrically? I, like, they went so slow in the valleys and then really ramped up the climbs? Or in the end, was that the right thing to do by making the whole stage way harder for everybody else? And then it was more selective on Hayiskabel. It was very asymmetrical, that's for sure. Whether it's the right or wrong thing to do, I'm, I'm kind of unsure. Because yes, on one, I, I actually agree with your second with your second point as well. Because they do this on the climbs, this make it sit so much harder for the for the versatile sprinters to get over that final climb as well, because they've been hurt so much on the climbs before. Yes, the recovery in between was a tiny bit more recovery, but they would have been recovering on the flat anyway. So I feel like they were just hit harder on the climbing section. But about UAE, we're talking about them pacing. We're talking about them doing that. Yes, why are they doing that for the bonus seconds on Heiskabel for potentially getting bonus seconds on the line? Those were the two incentives I see. Yes, they're spending the majority of their team this entire stage, if not all riders, to try and get the best out of this. But I feel like every single corner of this bloody yeah. route, they were losing wheels, and it, it was shocking. And they were fighting all the time. They was arguing all the time between Micah and Björk, between Björk and Langen, between Trenton and, and, and I think maybe the front. I think there was also maybe some question marks about within the team. It, maybe I saw Trenton in the car talking to Machin at length, being like, it's one thing to keep yellow because Palace is on 140. Mm -hmm. I thought they would just peg it at 4.30, four minutes, maybe 3.30, and then say, okay, Jumbo Visma, you want the stage with Van Aert. You need to put Van Hoydonk and Van Bala to pace and to bring this down because, you know, the natural speeding up of the peloton and the high escabel will take that time off Nielsen Palace. Uh, so they'll keep Yates in, in the GC lead. but they weren't just pacing to keep Yates in the GC lead. They were pacing for those bonus seconds to make the stage super hard for the Pogaccia stage win, which was in play, of course, at the end. But yeah, we'll, we'll see if it was worth it at the end. We, and then there's basically a status quo. It's people nervous. Uh, Trenton crashes. We didn't, never saw a replay of the crash. Yep. Very bizarre, but he slid out in one of the towns, went into a gutter. He got back up and on the bike, but he was then out of the stage. So they lose a ruler, but Soler did a, mag a really good job, I thought, keeping them in position. Then Vingegaard wasn't seen too easily, had a puncture or a mechanical 
And at the same, so but it's, it's a it's a tubeless one. I think he's on a slow flat. Okay. Because he's at the back of the peloton, still riding, up in, up through a little town, mm-hmm. and he's got Van Bala around him and Van Hoydonk, and, and they're waiting for the car to come up. Yeah, but and then he'll change bike. Are we sure that's a scenario? I kind of felt like they might just be coming back from the switch. Is that also a possibility? I don't know. That's a good. Oh, may. I, think he, I feel I like think, he was back very quickly after. No, the car was still trying to move up. Oh, okay. The car was still trying, okay. to, trying to drive up because then there's a crash on the left-hand side of yeah. the road and the Yumbo car, then the white ambulance medical car goes in front. Shimano's there. The Yumbo car's trying to get through a gap that's non-existent because, <laughs> yeah, I think he still had the mech. Sprint deviation by one of the cars? Maybe that, yeah, the medical car's got things to answer for, but <laughs> UAE to me stopped. Yeah, 100%. When which they didn't have to do. No. They all, they, I'm sorry, if you pace a 200k stage all day for the stage win, Paulus is still on two minutes. He's dropped Cavania, he's dropped Bosenhagen. Bosenhagen was very strong. I was impressed by him today. You've paced all day. I'm sorry, you don't have to wait for Vingegaard. Of course not. Like, so that Paulus gets another 25 seconds for free. <laughs> Makes no sense because there's being fair, as in, if you see a rider having a puncture and yeah. then you attack, then it's a bit questionable. Then people will question it. I, I, I don't really care. I like the, the drama. But when it comes to the actual unwritten rule, if you're already riding, then you, sh- you shouldn't stop because someone has yeah. a puncture. And especially because your plan kind of gets a, a, little, a little dent as a consequence. And it's not like it's that close to the finish. Like yeah. he's going to come back yeah. if you keep pacing. He's going to be in the cars. So. Yeah. Maybe they were just because they'd lost Trenton, they were already thinking, they were already counting down, like, okay, we don't have Bjerg, we don't have Langen, we don't have Trenton. Yeah. For the whole final, if we're going to use Yates in a certain way, we've got, you know, they're, they're counting up the numbers. And Israel, Israel got annoyed at this point. Israel came up to the front. I don't mm-hmm. know if they're going for Strong or Turns or, or Woods, but I think Strong. And they were like, what are you doing, guys? Are we, you know, you were supposed to chase the whole break all day and then... Corbin could get a good result in the sprint, and now you're letting Palace up the road. Now, it so happens that it didn't matter. Vingegaard comes back. They get to the Hayeska Bell. It's a lead out from Yumbo, who with Van Hoydonk. He paces the first kilometer of the Hayeska Bell pretty hard, and straight away, Benji, we see Van der Poel not even gone. And not, like, blowing. Yeah. Like, he just pulled the pin the minute they hit the base. There's been a moment like this before, and I think it was Tirreno, the year that Walsh Fanard was in the... In the lead of GC, Malia Azura, when he tried to climb on the, on the big climb, tried to hold GC, I don't know, Prato di Tivo? Was it that climb where, where Juan van Aert tried to go for it still yes. and k- keep the gap slow um, for GC? And, and Van der Poel said, I'm not even going to try. It felt like that today on this climb. It, it's like he saw the climb and said, it's going to be too hard for me. I might as well focus on stages that fit me. I disagree. I think the stage, there were 100 people in the group before we got to the last two and a half, three kilometers yeah. of this climb. So I believe this was a doable climb for Vanderpool to be able to stay remotely in contact. I think he might have just or might have just not made the front group, though. I think he gets dropped, but I don't think he's to know at that point. Or maybe he's sick. We don't know. Maybe, but I, I don't think he's to know at that point. When I was counting up the UAE numbers, I was like, yeah. if UAE don't do use Yates, and it's a group of 100, there's no Björk, yeah. and Groschartner's also, Groschartner had been having to work, this is the problem with two leaders, he has to bring Yates up, but yet Groschartner is also supposed to do the lead out. So Groschartner couldn't really do a lead out today because he's moving Yates and Yates, I think, struggled. You could see Yates really struggled with position today um, yeah. for a lot of the stage. Didn't end up costing him. But yeah, I, I was surprised Vanderpool pulled the pin. 
Biniart was gone, Philipson were gone. So really the only quote-unquote sprinter that could possibly make this was Van Aert. And Van Hooydonk was setting a decent tempo. But then eventually, they hadn't caught Paulus, but Van Hooydonk melted that gap. Paulus started <laughs> to climb at like 120. He's taking it down to 40. And then Craddock starts pacing. Yeah. For Jayco. Harper. And UAE, I think UAE were like, actually, yeah, we will let you pace. Because why not Harper? And this is the first half of the climb, right? They were like, actually, thank you, Jayco. We'll keep numbers because we're kind of thin on the ground right now. Yeah, because they were limited. They had Micah sitting in front of yeah. Bogacar and, and Yates, and we didn't really see Groshart. Or at that point, he moved up later. And we go over this like flatter section yeah. in the middle of Heiskebel onto the steeper section. That's where UAE starts kicking off. That's where they come into action. And that's where we see Micah doing the initial move, Groshart in the wheel. Then we've got Pogacar. Then we've got Adam Yates. And Jonas is in the wheel just behind there. So we've got these five riders with the rest of the peloton behind them, the people that were still there. And then I already found it weird that Groschartner was in the wheel of Micah. Groschartner kind of moves up, but it's not to take over. It's that, this is, a, this is the clever thing you pointed on on Twitter a few weeks ago, that Groschartner is basically going on the same level as Micah to make sure that the people in his wheel yeah. can take the wheel of Micah instantly without him just dropping out so they have don't, they don't have to close the gap. What Kwiatkowski did yesterday to Bernal. Yeah. So the reason Groschartner got a gap yesterday, and it's different, it's different in a pace line versus Groschartner launched it at like 700 watts yesterday and Kwiatkowski just pulled off. Yeah. And Bernal was left on a gap, but it's not his gap to close, doesn't matter. But yeah, in this case, you don't leave a gap. And we quickly see that the barriers for this climb were only in the last kilometer. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't want to anger the Basque fans. They are very You're passionate right. too much, but... oh. It's affected the race the last two. I mean, the motorbikes did more. But I don't think the motorbikes are comfortable driving 50 yeah. to get out of the way or 40 to get out of the way through a sea of people mowing <laughs> them down. Probably. And because the people aren't moving quickly. The people, they wait for the motor to come, they come back in, yeah. and then the rider comes, and then they at the last minute and pull out. That's kind of why the motorbike tries to stay closer to the riders to protect yes, them from that stop the going crowd back, in. back in. But you don't really have a solution for that because. Now you're basically drafting that group up the climb, and we saw a proper draft there. Now, to well, update? I, I to think update, it hurt UAE. Yeah, but yeah, on one end, but also Alice was losing time at this point. He was about to get caught. Oh, he was gone, yeah. He was, I, I thought at this point, because Poggy attacked on Alpdewes through Dutch Corner, where it was a similar situation yeah. last year, I thought, Jonas is on Yates' wheel. Poggy, if, Yates, if Poggy attacks or Yates attacks and goes in front of Micah, and there is nowhere for Jonas to go. Yeah. He, there's just a crowd on the side and they can lose the wheel. And all of a sudden, Jonas is having, you have a situation where Yates is going to get the eight bonies. And if he doesn't, Jonas is bridging Poggy all the way back to him. Is it me or do we not see leaving the gap open as a strategy much in cycling? Because like you said, there's been two opportunities yesterday and today for Pogacar to drop the wheel and basically allow Micah and Yates to ride off while Vingegaard can't really come across him too easily. And if he does come across, he has to close the gap with Pogacar and the wheel. So we don't see that a lot in cycling. I would love to see that more. Well, I was very surprised by what happened. And obviously, you know, I'm a big, I'm leading the Yates leadership charge, but even stepping back a bit from that, you know, my picks and, and you know, the meme of that, to me, what UAE did today didn't make too much sense. I think there is a work. First of all, Pagacha's going to. Wout was sliding back. Van Aert's not sprinting. Yeah. Alaphilippe's dropped. The 
anyone that's remotely as fast as Pogacar are already in the have, have zero chance of contesting this sprint. He's sprinting against Vingard and Simon Yates. It does not matter if Adam Yates makes the group from 20 to 10 guys. What, what's the point? Poggy is still going to clean up that sprint, whether it's been thinned out more or not. So instead, they get Yates to continue to lead out after Micah. Jonas jumps the sprint early and actually well, takes the better lines than Pagacha. Yates is the one that triggers that. Simon Yates, not Adam oh, Yates. Oh, true, Simon, yeah. Who launches on the left side of the road with Jonas in the wheel, and that's where Pagacha has to respond as well. And he gets to the wheel of Vingegaard, and he kind of... He's I boxed feel like for a bit. He's boxed for a bit. I agree, and it's kind of that they ended up both boxing in Jonas towards the end a tiny bit before yeah. eventually Jonas got through. And then Pogacar made a bit of a, yeah. a weird line and as a consequence had to come around Jonas in the, in the end. But you're right. So we get the situation that in the end, Pogacar sprints and wins that sprint. Past Jonas, Jonas gets second. So eight seconds of bonus on Heiskebel go to Pogacar. Five go to Jonas and three go to Simon Yates. Adam Yates takes none because he had to do the lead out. And, and gets put on a proper gap. I would have rather seen Adam Yates sprint, but then I'm also thinking... Reverse lead out was the play. Yeah, because sprinting, he, he wouldn't have even have beaten his brother. No. He does the reverse lead out when Mike is about to pull off, yeah. when Poggy loses his wheel through the crowd of spectators, and then you get the best of both worlds, I think. Yep. Um, and, and probably Poggy still takes eight seconds. Yep. But the risk then it didn't end up being a problem they go over the top simon yates was put on a gap poggy just like he did on spandell last year he doesn't yeah. stop at the, the crest of the climb mm -hmm. he keeps pedaling with Jonas in the wheel and he's going for it with yeah. with yates dropped and Jonas is in the wheel and he's just i was thinking okay maybe he's just going to see if yinga will pull through Vingard doesn't pull through initially van art kelderman benota in a group with schelmoza chicone bilbao haig lander uh, Pidcock, Rodriguez, a bit further back, Bernal. Were you surprised that Poggy was so willing to ride with Jonas there because he didn't ride with Jonas yesterday? Like, he didn't continue the same way with Yates dropped after mm -hmm. PK with Lafay there, and today he was happy on the descent. I think if, if Jonas pulls with him, Poggy pulls, right? Well, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100% he keeps on pulling if Jonas pulls, but... This also shows the fact that Adam Yates is not in that second bunch of riders yeah. in that descent. Shows to me also that he kind of he he kind of blew up after his yes. after his lead out. So they're really throwing everything at like yesterday Pogacar. too, because Simon came and dropped him on PK. So the hierarchy is clear after it's these two stages. Pogacar yeah. is sole leader, and Yates is kept up there as like a a pawn to try and scare Yumbo a bit. Yeah, but in real in in real facts. Pogacar knows that he's leader and he's acting like he's leader and Yates is acting like Pogacar's leader. Yeah. Otherwise, there's no way he does the lead out to the point where he gets dropped from a group of Van Aden or whoever was Schelmoza. Right. You spoke about that, about those riders being ahead, Pogacar and Vingegaard. Why does Vingegaard not ride? Bart Van Aert, right? Yeah. So it's the same as yesterday. And this is where this will get lost, I think, in the, in the Belgian media, maybe. Yeah. Belgian media, maybe. If a group of 10 goes to this finish, yep. L12 with Pogacar, Jonas will never come in the top three. Yep. So he will take no bonus seconds. Vingegaard actually, if he's riding purely for GC, min guarantees the minimum, the, his, he, gar he guarantees his maximum time loss of four seconds 
if he pulls with Pagacha. For GC, it is best for Vingegaard, for his own GC, to pull with Pagacha there because he, he takes time on every other GC contender. Pagacha is willing for the stage to gain time on his own teammate who's yeah. in the yellow jersey, Adam Yates, and Vingegaard guarantees he loses four seconds. And maybe if he stops pulling in the last three Ks, he, you know, he even has a chance because it's not like Poggy beat him by that much in the uphill sprint. I still think Poggy cleans him even if he's pulling 80-20, but anyway, you, but you, you guarantee a four-second loss. And also, even if you take that conversation out and you put Van Aert back in, I still think it would have been better off Vingegaard giving on the descent pulling. Yeah. And, and then maybe you don't pull on, because there's a 700-meter 4% climb with 3.5Ks to go where you're going to have to do a lot of watts versus a chasing group. Bilbao yeah. got killed there. You, you pull, you keep the gap at 10 seconds, Yumbo don't have to chase behind, Ciccone and Schelmo's a chase, other GC riders chase, they're going to chase Benji. Bardet, yeah. they are going to chase Pagacha and Vingegaard up the road yeah. with the gaps this tight. Simon Yates is going to chase them. And then Poggy is less likely to come top three in the sprint yeah. if he has had to pull most of the final. Yeah. And Van Aert has had more time in the wheels than the Umbo guys. Yeah. So I, I really believe it would have been best for everybody for Jonas to pull initially with Pagacha until they got onto the flat section. And then you put him in a difficult position. Then you start playing. Yeah. Then you start playing around. Then you start putting Pogacha in a position where he needs to keep pulling alone. Yeah. And that's where the second group gets benefit. Yeah. And that's where Wout gets benefit in the second group with the domestiques. That's where you also don't get people attacking in the second group. Yep. Which is also a no danger. No one ever attacks when people are ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless they're like very close. Yeah, that yeah. you see. And that's what we saw. Because when those two riders were almost caught, we saw that second group getting closer. And that's when some moves started happening. And I'm not sure those initial moves really worked out, but there were moves that did work out. Once the group got together, we got a move by Bale. Bilbao, yeah. The man, he couldn't do it in his, in his town yesterday, but, or through Guernica, but Bilbao just full sent this descent. He'll know it well. This is the descent from, yeah, the Hayeskabel towards uh, San Sebastian. It's very fast. And he was putting Van Aert on a gap, and Van Aert's closing the gaps himself. Kelderman and Benoit, no one can move up. Yeah. Literally no one, because but Bilbao is doing this as fast as humanly possible. Yeah. Bilbao's head, uh, Van Aert's heavier than him and is a decent descender, and he's getting put on a gap yeah. every single corner. He's got Pagacha or other riders in his wheel. They've caught Jonas and, and, and Pagacha on the descent. We get to the valley now with Bilbao not caught because he's, he's first of all, he's gapped Van Aert. Van Aert's also decided... Am I really going to close this guy every corner with people in my wheel? Mm -hmm. And Bilbao's got a bit of a moto, no problem with that, giving him time. Well, there is a problem. <laughs> he's, he's clear for like four and a half kilometers in the yeah. valley with now Yumbo chasing with Kelderman and Benoit, but they have to, Koos is dropped. They also then have to, there's, who's in, who's in, who's in the group? Betiol, Lefay, Ciccone, Schelmoza, Bardet, Pidcock, Rodriguez, Bernal, mm -hmm. Bernard, Kelderman, Benoit, Vingegaard, Pagacha, Adam Yates, Simon Yates. There's some guys with nothing to lose here. Yeah. A Betiol, a Ciccone, a Schelmoza. Question. So we're in this scenario. Bilbao's still ahead. There's still a bit of a gap. Is there a play that teams could implement where they don't catch Bilbao on purpose and they leave it at eight, seven seconds to prevent other people from attacking? Because I feel like we often see people close down moves very early and then people start attacking. Is that because they're panicking? I think... 
I think, yeah, I think Van Aert was very worried about Bilbao because he does this huge acceleration yeah. to close him. And this is when Kelderman and Benoit were trying to come back. And he basically redlines. He splits. Yeah, Adam Yates nearly drops and gets yeah. gapped. He creates a split in the group, but doesn't close it the whole way. Yeah. And then he sits up. And then stops. And then now Kelderman and Bonota extra fucked. It's like what Van Avermaet does in the classics when it's 17 minutes behind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, when they're, when they're at 30 seconds, or it goes to a gap and then he, like, you attack. The worst thing you can do when, if you can't sprint across the gap, yeah. the worst thing you can do is, yeah, accelerate like that because then it will just balloon back out again. And then Kelderman and Bonota get on the front. They catch Bilbao, I think, on the, the sort of drag. So if Wow didn't do that, then Kelderman would have been pacing the entire time anyway. Bilbao gets caught anyway. Yeah, I think so as well. But that also shows that Wout is giving everything himself to try and close this down. And we get another attack. The second double bow is caught. I think it's Skelmos that moves on the right side of the road. And we were waiting for a move. And Pidcock. Yeah, Pidcock as well. Both of them made a move. And I feel like Pidcock was responded to very quickly by Van Aert. Yeah, yeah. While Skelmos attack actually had quite a bit of a gap. But then Van Aert did end up once again trying to close that down. And we're now in this moment. We, we got a very limited amount of time to go in this stage. We're talking about... One, one kilometer, one and a half? Yeah, one and a half kilometers, two kilometers to go. And, and yeah, Kelderman and those two attacks on the highway on-ramp have been closed down by Van Aert and by his team. Kelderman goes to the front. Benoit moves back up. Vingegaard's kind of gone deeper in the group. He's not pacing for Van Aert. And why wouldn't there be more attacks? And from deep in the group, from way far back, Lefay just launches an attack. I don't know when it went. <laughs> maybe 700, 1K to go. Yeah. And... Kelderman's not immediately in the draft. And Lafay's threat. Lafay is one of the strongest riders in, on this terrain right now, as shown by yesterday. And Kelderman's not going to close it nor note. And he's gone. And he's not going to get brought back because he's strong to the line. He's not a 50 kilo flyweight. And no one else responds to it. No one else has multiple it, riders in the group from their team except Trek, I think. It's very close, though, because after Kelderman is doing his lead out, who, who kept it relatively close, then there's Benoit coming up in the group. And we get Van Aert sprinting from pretty far out. I think it was 300 meters or something. Pogacar in the wheel, obviously because Van Aert is going early, Pogacar has a bit of an advantage to come over him towards the end. But they strand so close with v -v -v Victor Lafay. <laughs> Victor. He does it. He breaks off at his drought. What did you say again about Lecoq? I thought Lecoq was going to break the curse. I really did. But it's actually Victor Lafay. I mean, he is, they've had, they got, no, they don't have Volkan. I got Lafay, Chikone, Zangler. I thought maybe the talented right, young rider from Covetous would do it. But yeah, unbelievable win from them on stage two of the Tour de France on opening weekend on the Sunday afternoon. Hats off to Covetous. And, and, and he didn't get, you know, he deserved a top three yesterday. And so yeah. if there's anyone that was going to win, I'm super happy that Lafay won. Truly amazing. It's really impressive too. Like today wasn't a pure puncher's effort either. It was a 10, 12 minute climbing effort on the end of Vivera, the way UAE did the last three and a half Ks. So I'm really impressed by him and he's taken a big step up and deserved that win. Should Jonas, and, and now well, I'll run through the results. Um, so he wins the stage. Van Aert sprints out of the wheel of Benoit, gets into Victor Lefebvre's slipstream, which was a, on the barriers, mm -hmm. and beats Pogacar for second, Pogacar third. Um, and Pogacar well, was just behind and he was very visibly angry afterwards. Pidcock fourth, Bilbao fifth. Skelmo's the sixth, Wood seventh, Bardet eighth, turns ninth, Hinley tenth. People that lost time, Ben O'Connor loses another 58 seconds, not good for him. Um, Johannesson, no good, he lost a lot of time. GC in the bin. Yeah, GC, I mean, he's got time to take it back. Pino lost two <laughs> minutes 25 today, so yeah. after a good day yesterday, he struggled today. Felix Gull lost five minutes, 
So not a good day for Ashdis there at all. I think did he, have, did he have some issue? Because I swear he was on the side of the road. Was he in that crash? Yeah, he, yeah, I think he might have been in that crash. That's a good point. Betiol, I mean, the fact that he made this, it's like this random strong result. Like for a guy that wins, never wins any races. Well, it's weird because like, did you remember the Tokyo uh, Olympics where yeah. he was one of the strongest riders on a bloody climb? He was with like Woods and Van Aert uh, or climb. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, when he's on, he's on and when there's a descent finish. But anyway, we need to talk about the, oh, GC, Adam Yates keeps GC, uh, but his lead is now only six seconds ahead of his teammate, Harry Pogacar, and his brother, Simon Yates, in third. Vingegaard's now on 17 seconds to Yates, so he closes the distance by five seconds to him, but loses another quick maths, eight seconds to, no, seven seconds to Pogacar, because he yeah. lost three on the climb and four at the finish. So Correct. Vingegaard is now on 11 seconds to Pogacar. And then there's another group behind of Hindley, Lander, Rodriguez, Gudu, who are on uh, 22 seconds to Jates and 16 to Pog. The major question after the stage on social media, and one where, that we even discussed after the stage finished, is yesterday, Jonas Vingegaard didn't face for Wout van Aert, and he shouldn't have in that situation. And Belgian media thought he should have, but I completely disagree with that. It was one of the dumbest takes I heard all year. But then we see this stage, and I can't go past the fact that I believe that Jonas should have faced today. What are the inherent differences between yesterday's situation and today's situation? I think yesterday there's a real risk that if you do a lead out, you can lose a time on the road, as we saw with the Yates brothers. Like Simon lost four seconds just like that. I don't know about the rule for counting GC gaps. So um, in sprint stages, there has to be a three-second gap from the last wheel of yeah. the group to the first wheel of the second group. And this is a sprint stage on paper. So this has 50 green jersey points this stage so full, full point so i don't know if that rule also applies yeah. on the, if it does that means that for Jonas to lose time on the stage he needs to basically with them going 60 kilometers an hour finish 50 meters behind yeah. the last man of the group so that that's it means it's much less likely you lose any time on the road now so yeah would is there a risk of Vingegaard doing a lead out for van Aert or chasing lefay to me not really no. like not really, like, if he's done it for Laporte, in the, I, I think it's Thing different is, to yesterday. The only risk is that Pogacar will take more bonus seconds. He will likely get second in that situation. Six seconds. So, that's the fact. You lose two more seconds. But, this shows to me that Yumbo has been bullshitting in their interviews all week. Because there's been writers at Yumbo, I don't know which, was either Kellerman or Benoit or something, have been talking about the fact that all these seconds in the first week won't matter in the big picture. I agree with that, but then don't fucking play around about two seconds in stage two that you don't want to try don't, and get the stage oh, before out for not. I don't, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's, oh, let Lafay win because then Poggy only takes four. I don't think it's that. I think it's just Vingard didn't... The reaction wasn't there. Yeah, just it's, it's, I, this is happening so quickly. Yeah, I don't and, blame a meter for it. You no, know, no, no. And listen, and I already said it on the, when we talked about the descent, yeah, and it will get lost in the in the maelstrom. But he already rode for Wout the last two days indirectly. Yes. Well, as I Agreed. said, if Wout doesn't exist, why doesn't he work with Poggy and Lafay yesterday? If Wout doesn't exist, why wouldn't he work with Poggy on the descent of the Hayeskabel today? Exactly. You're right. So, so he he's already neutralized the 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 favorite for the stage apart from Van Aert, and now you're asking him to do a lead out. Like, come on. Yeah, but I, today would have been a very minimal one. Eh? Let's be honest about it. Yeah, I know it would have looked nice. And but yeah, his he, positioning wasn't good he, either. He could have done it, but he, 
He's trying to win the fucking Tour de France, man. Yep. I know well, stage winning would be nice, but we're trying to win the Tour de France here. I know. And it's, I think it's up to Vingegaard. If he wants to do it and he's comfortable doing it, he mm-hmm. can do it. If, if it's hectic and he doesn't want it, he was also boxed in. So One of the points yeah. being made is that this stage would have been a, a close one between Ralph and Pogacar anyway at the finish if Jonas had faced. Well, if Lafay's not there and Van Aert doesn't get the run into Lafay's draft, I'm not even sure it's a guarantee Van Aert wins the sprint. But on the opposite end, you also have the fact that Van Aert had to go yeah. early and to try to, and close yeah, the fight. He had to go early. Had to, and exactly when, you know, he, Poggy would only come around him when Van Aert has to basically sit down. Exactly. So. And has Jonas trained leadouts? Would he have gone to the side and therefore yeah, yeah. Van Aert taking the interview? That's also a question that might have hindered if Pogacar launched early. So these are all questions. I don't blame Jonas for not doing it. I think in the end, Wout van Aert's probably going to stage, uh, win a stage somewhere in this Tour de France. But do you think this might inflict some kind of like mental thing on, on Wout van Aert where he's like, oh, I still haven't won after two stages. I mean, a bummer. He, I mean, he came, what, second in the first three stages last year before yeah. winning in Calais. Yeah. So second but and third. And then I know it was different there. He less wasn't... options this year, I feel like. Stage eight is the next one? Or got, unless he wins a, a flat sprint. He's but... got these flat sprints and then there's a Limoges. And, I mean, there's, he's Van Aert. I'm sure he can find a breakaway. He could probably do okay. In... Stage eight, I think, is the yeah. one. I don't remember which one it is, but... That's the Lecoq one, I thought. Lecoq would win. Um, oh, stage nine might be the... <laughs> nine is Isuar or something? Vulcania Isuar? Yeah. Anyway, Lefay goes into the green jersey, which is nice for Cofidis. That's decent exposure for really? them. Yep, 65 points. Boggy oh. on 42. Van Aert on 36 points. So Van Aert hasn't gone for an intermediate sprint yet. And he's still in third there. So we'll tomorrow, see, see how that develops. Tomorrow he will be he second. Should go, he should go for the IS tomorrow, right? Like, let's say that a Philipson or a, or a, or a, or a Wellsford or something take, take full points or a sprinter like that. Then they're going to be on 75-ish points, 70 points, 60 points. Lafay could either still be in green or Philipson could be in green. Wout van Aert winning this flat sprint, I'm not 100% confident in. So It's a little bit grippy. He's going to be on the podium of yeah. green tomorrow. Well, I want to take it back to what you said about morale in the camp. Yeah. So, And I agree. Yambo directly after this stage, I think are going to feel more deflated than UAE directly after the stage. Yeah. Pogacar took second, so he's happy. But in the end of the day, I feel like today was a tie. UAE paced all day, full gas, did the lead out. For seven seconds, Poggy takes seven, Yates gives back five. And Yates could have lost more. And they don't win the stage. Like, I agree. Yumbo didn't really invest as much. Now, I don't, listen, what is Vegas? This is Vegas Steker Langan's job. So he did his job. But I think actually Yumbo will be much more disappointed than UAE today. Um, because of how the finish played out, but UAE actually invested a lot in this stage and, and didn't get... And, Seven and actually seconds. Could, it actually could have been worse for them. Like, as I said, if Jonas rides, um, then Yates loses time. Anyway, but then Poggy wins the stage. So, yeah, it could have been better, better, worse, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, but there's also the factor the next two stages are not the craziest stages in this Tour de France either, but I can't fail to think that we had this discussion before. Doing something like this, whether it's Thingard pacing a tiny bit in the final of this sprint, or whether it's UAE putting their entire team on the line, how much does that truly affect week three in this Tour de France? 
It's impossible or to know. does it more influence stage 9 and stage 8? Because that comes one by one without a, a rest day in between. It's like, you can say there's a general principle that the harder you work earlier, you know, you're going to have a higher TSS than you would have if you yep. just sat up and let Nielsen Palace take 10 minutes today and there was a chill stage. Of course, then Bjerg and Langen and Trenton and Soler have all had the hardest day possible. Does that mean they'll be bad in stage in week three? Yeah. No, it doesn't mean that. It, 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 you know, they, they could actually come better. I mean, you would think, yeah, it's, you lose something somewhere, but... Is that an effect of, for example, we've heard all these Inigo San Milan stories about the fact that Pogacar's got major recovery and therefore is good at recovering after every single stage? I guess that Jonas is probably pretty good at that at this point as well, but is that an opposite effect that the domestiques might not have that? Remember Björk, stage 17, Björk kills everyone on Orquette en Zizan. And then Mignalti destroys everybody, almost his own team leader. The next day, Björk gets dropped in neutral. Yeah. And nearly like OTLs yeah. with Guillaume Van Kerr's book. And on stage 18 and is cooked. And Mignalti wasn't as strong on Spandell on stage 18. So maybe the next day, you're right. So let's get to the next stage. Amore Bieta Echano to Bayonne. 194Ks, this is much more difficult than my previous recollection of it. So, yeah, this is quite difficult. The first 10Ks has a 4.2-kilometer, 6% climb as a Category 3. We'll see probably Paulus going for that again. Then there's a descent, then a 2.2K, 5%, then rolling uncategorized hills, then another 5K, 4%, then more rolling hills, then a 5.4K, 6% climb, the longest of the day with the most elevation gain, but the last major climb. At three, and then the last 80 kilometers are uncategorized rolling hills. The finish has some lumps and bumps in it, including you know 800 meters at five percent in the last uh, nine kilometers, eight kilometers, and some other ones. This is reminding me a lot of Long Wee Benji, maybe not Long Wee, but or Lausanne. It's yeah, but who I don't know how to call this stage. stage. You think Alperson just, this is the Philipson stage. He should be able to make it if they get the right break composition and they don't have to do the climbs too hard. This should be okay for Alperson. I'm going to go even further. I think the majority of sprinters make it over this part. Really? You think, Fabio? I think the majority of sprinters will tell each other the last two days were pretty tough. Let's work together and get to the fucking sprint. Because <laughs> like the biggest climbs are also in the first 60% of the stage. And last 40% yeah. is like, nah, it's not that, not that and you crazy. you have to pace the whole time to keep someone 30 seconds behind and Cav might have his teammates back there. Exactly, yeah. Maybe Cav dropped pretty early he today. He did drop early, yeah. Does that mean he'll drop on the, the middle climb, the, the whatever, I can't pronounce that, so I'm not, I'm not even trying. The middle climb in the stage, he might drop there, who knows, but there's plenty of time to come back afterwards. And I think this is a straight-up sprint stage. Um, I don't think there's echelon territory in this neighborhood either, so... Yeah, pretty much a sprint stage. But when you're when you're thinking about these sprints, you're like, Philipson looks good for these sprints. He he won the intermediate sprint today, but I also feel like Welsh was pretty fucking strong there. So then you're uh, looking at the teams because Von Poppel was the best lead out there for Mayus. But if Mayus can't hold his wheel like at the intermediate sprint today, then he might not be there. So who else is gonna take the wheel of Von Poppel instead? And like, we gotta look at those scenarios as well because Philipson will have a good lead out in Vanderpool unless. He actually is sick because today I don't know what to make of Vanderpool. Exactly. Like, I mean, 
Yeah, because if he's not there for the lead out for Philipson, that really changes my opinion. I think he decided he's not going for it. I think so. I think he's like, fuck, this is too hard. They've ridden too hard on all the climbs all day. I'm not going to, I'm not, I know I'm not going to make it. So I'm just going to stop. And then tomorrow, you know, he's like, I can make it. I'll go yeah. full. I think uh, Binny wins tomorrow. I, I think this Ooh. is actually very select. Like, I think guys are getting dropped because even with 50Ks to go, there's a 1.2K, 9% climb. And there's climbing before that at 10% on that climb. So I think. I think it's too punchy and, and difficult. Philipson and wins. Yeah, Philipson should be there, and Alperson should bring him back. Uh, if I'm into Marche, I ride these climbs very hard. I don't know if... I think there's also a chance a breakaway is, is goes all the way too. I think someone like Magnus Court should be trying to jump in the break on that climb. It's straight at the start. I agree. All, all the sprinters teams... All get, they, the sprinters teams are going to have to go so slow in the first 50Ks of this stage. They can't be chasing a break full gas because they'll drop their sprinter on these climbs. Yeah, but the benefit is that Alperson does have a sprinter that can get over these bloody hills, eh? Yeah, but 4.2k, 6%, if Cord and Paulus and, and people are Betiol, like, are launching it. Like, Betiol, EF, got to be in the break tomorrow. With Betiol and Paulus. And Cord. Should Van Aert go in the break? No. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. No reaction? Probably get put into a. I reckon he should. I reckon he should go on the breakaway. Okay. And it, and if it turns into a long wee situation, you pull the pin, you go back, and then you reassess. But I think if people are jumping, if you see groups jumping, it's out of control on the Cote de Trabacua, and it's, and people are jumping, and groups of five and seven are forming. I'm sorry, but we saw on the Giro a group of five and seven strong guys. It is difficult to bring back, and there's no high Iskabel at the end to kill them. So. If you see the break getting out of control, I think you have to jump in it. Um, but I'm still going with Binny from a group sprint. Uh, anything else from the day? Any other news? I don't necessarily think so. We've got two amazing stages out of the Tour de France. It's a banger of a first weekend. The question is, can it keep it up? And tomorrow's stage is probably going to be a, a bit less explosive as, as the last two stages, but it will be an interesting sprint stage, a bit more intriguing than just a flat, completely fat sprint. And I'm also curious to see where the sprinters are at. So... Can't wait to see that happen. Thanks very much for listening. As always, everybody, we'll be back for stage three tomorrow. Thanks for joining us on the Watch Alongs too. If you have on YouTube, we'll be back on stage five for the next Watch Along. But I hope you enjoyed it. And thanks. See you tomorrow. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 